Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. How do you start NBA talk? How do you start an hour? You start it with Frank Isola. It's what you do. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. In for Greeny. And on the ESPN app, you know Frank Isola. You love him. You know him from PTI. You know him from Around the Horn. You know him from SiriusXM NBA Radio. You follow him at the Frank Isola. Frank joins us right now. Frank, it's Canty and Carlin. Thank you for popping on as usual. How are you? Love me? Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe my dog. I could confirm my dog after that. It's probably uh, it's uh, floating, as they say. <laughs> Frank, let's just start here. You pointed out the other day on Twitter that the Heat have lost six of eight. Have they just run out of steam? It's probably a little bit of that. And certainly maybe and now maybe the loss of Tyler Hero is impacting them a little bit. They've only scored, or I should say, they've only scored over 96 points once in the first four games of the series. So offensively, they're struggling. Think about it. You know, they've... They've won two of their last eight games, and Denver has won nine of their last ten games. It's hard to win nine of ten games during the regular season, especially with so much load management, but it's really difficult to do during the NBA playoffs, and that includes two wins against, you know, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, four wins against, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Lakers, and now three wins against the Miami Heat. Eight, you know, nine nine and one in ten playoff games is pretty impressive. And that's what I was going to ask you about. I mean, just – Put into words how dominant this run has been by the Denver Nuggets because you're talking about rolling through the, the, the playoffs and you've got, what, three series against Western Conference opponents and it takes you a matter of, what, 14 games, 15 games to wrap those up in? I, I mean, and looking at the NBA Finals, you're talking about potentially dispatching that in five, uh, of the Heat in five games. So just how dominant has this run been by the Denver Nuggets in comparisons to runs that we've seen in recent years? Yeah, you know, and I remember the Laker one from I think that was the year that they beat the Sixers, where you know that was that was a gentleman sweep in that series after Philadelphia won Game One. It didn't look like anybody was going to be good enough to beat the Lakers. I think things this year it was a little more up in the air just because the Denver Nuggets have, had never done it. This group had never been past the conference finals before. But also remember, if you go back to Game Two, you know they're up eight entering the fourth quarter, and then Duncan Robinson went off. And, you know, Denver defensively was really poor that game. But I guess they were due for one bad game. That's why I thought it was funny. If you remember, after that game, the big thing was Eric Spolstra coming up with a, you know, game plan to hold Nikola Jokic to only four assists. Well, first of all, four assists is pretty good for a big man. And uh, Eric Spolstra is great. There's no doubt about that. But after they won one game, everything, you know, completely changed as if now Michael Malone is somehow being completely outcoached. And then the very next game, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic became the first teammates in NBA history in any game to have 30-point triple-doubles. I didn't hear anybody saying about the Miami Heat being unable to, you know, stop either guy in that game. I'm a little bit sensitive to Michael Malone. I knew him since he was an assistant coach at Manhattan College. Obviously, he he broke in on Jeff Van Gundy's staff. I just don't think he gets enough credit. Remember after the Lakers lost game one, they put Rory Hachimura on Jokic in the second half, and after the game was the Lakers think they figured something out. They're pretty confident now going into this year's. Maybe we'll see that in a game five that they play each other because they certainly didn't show anything in the, in the first four games of this year. <laughs> That's for sure. Frank Isola, he, of course, of Around the Horn, PTI is a guest host. Uh, the starting lineup, 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, time on ES, uh, rather on Sirius XM NBA radio. Uh, Frank, that's one thing I wanted to bring up. If we have seen one other thing, there is nowhere near the 
difference in coaching this round versus what we saw for the Celtics last round. So what in particular about Malone has really fit this group exceptionally well? Well, well I think what helps is that, you know, the, the Denver Nuggets gave like a legitimate effort all season long. So it's not like they really have to change anything up. And that's why I think just for the NBA in general, one thing about Denver winning, you know, it, if they were to win, it's like, all right, so this is a team that really played out the entire regular season and finished with the best record in the Western Conference. And little and little things that they did, which helped, and Boston couldn't figure it out. You know, when, when Denver was being trapped, I should say Jamal Murray was being trapped in game three, the outlet was passing the ball on Nikola Jokic. So now all of a sudden it's Nikola Jokic with the ball, and it's essentially four on three. And Nikola Jokic always makes the right decision. So they completely picked them apart. I, I think the big thing was, if you're going to trap the Nuggets, do it when Jokic is on the bench because they don't really have that type of playmaker. So Jokic makes all the difference in the world. And that's why I think for Denver, it, you know, Jokic and Murray had good games in game, but they didn't have great games. But then you had Aaron Gordon coming through, and then the former, you know, Brooklyn Net, Bruce Brown, was tremendous off the bench. So it's good to see other guys contribute. It's not like every night they need both you know, Jokic and Murray to have a 30-point triple-double in order to win a playoff game. Frank, I want you to look into your crystal ball. Considering how this roster is presently constructed, also factoring in the trade that the Nuggets made on Friday to acquire more draft capital to fill in death pizzas off their bench, is this the beginning of a dynastic run for Denver around Jamal Murray yeah. and Nikola Jokic? Yeah, it, it's hard to say because obviously health is going to have a lot to do with it, and you have to factor that in because last year, Murray missed the entire season, and Michael Porter Jr. has dealt uh, with back issues. But the way the NBA is going to be, you can't pay everybody, and you're going to have to get contributions from guys that aren't making a lot of money. That's why, you know, uh, Christian Brown, I don't know why it's not Braun, but Christian Brown, <laughs> who won a championship last year at Kansas, you know, he played 76 games during the regular season, and he averaged 15 minutes a game. So for a guy that was a first-round pick for a, you know the team with the best record in the Western Conference, that's not always easy to do. He's not a superstar player. But he's certainly a very good role player, and he contributed in a big way to that win in Game 3. And now he has a chance. Think about this. The only guys that have won an NCAA title and then an NBA championship the following year was Bill Russell, Magic, Henry Bibby, and Billy Thompson, who was on that uh, Laker team in, wow. like the, in the late 80s. So Christian Brown could, could uh, you know, be on a pretty impressive list. Any, anytime you're on a list with Magic Johnson and Bill Russell, that's pretty cool. Frank Isola joining us right now of SiriusXM NBA Radio. It's Canty and Carlin in for Grinny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and health, uh, pet health insurance. Frank, how long can Nikola Jokic be the best player in the NBA? Well, I think the one thing he's done, he's done a very good job, uh, you know, keeping himself in shape. And I think that'll always be the big challenge for him. And, you know, a lot of people have compared him just his demeanor and the way that he approaches everything, including his dealings with the media and just his game to Tim Duncan. I think there are a lot of similarities, but Tim Duncan didn't care if he thought he was the best player in the league. He didn't care if he was going to win MVP. He just, you know, he was a great teammate and he won a lot of championships and ultimately that's all he cared about. And, you know, everyone kind of followed suit. I think if he could keep himself in, you know, if he could stay healthy and keep himself in good shape, the guy is he's so good. And you guys know how it is. You watch it, and then when you see it in person, it's just a little bit different. Just some of the plays that he could make, and it's it's so you know it's it's so unique in just the way that he moves. And sometimes it looks like he's lumbering, but how about when he'll inbound the ball 
and they'll throw it back to him when, say, Murray's getting trapped, and now it's him sprinting up the court with the ball. And it's not like, you know, uh, Bam Adebayo is running right next to him. It's not as if he can't, um, he can't outrace a guy like Bam Adebayo. So athletically, I think he's fine, and he has the right demeanor. Even You know, I was thinking of guys like, you know, LeBron and Steve Nash, one MVP, Kevin Durant's been MVP. Those guys, I think, for the most part, are unselfish. And certainly in the case of LeBron and even Steve Nash, like the teams needed them to be a little bit more selfish in terms of scoring the ball. And I think, I think Jokic is the same way. And it's always good when your best player is going to be that unselfish. Look how hard the guys play around him. He had Aaron Gordon running along the baseline, Bruce Brown, who always was great at cutting to the hoop. And those guys know they're going to be rewarded. So, you know, I think his teammates know that he really, you know, he really falls under the category of a guy that makes his teammates better because he's always looking to make the right basketball play. Frank, after their Game 3 win, Michael Malone made a comment in passing talking about how long Jokic and Murray had been together with him. You're talking about seven seasons. Now, you typically don't see that in the NBA, but if you think back to the last three champions, if the Nuggets were to win it all tonight or in this series, it would be the Nuggets, the Warriors, who have been together a really long time, and then also the Milwaukee Bucks with Middleton and Giannis being together for a long time. So are we seeing the case be made over the last three NBA Finals for keeping Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown together in Boston and continuity overall leading to success in this league? Chris, it's a great point. I think there's a lot to be said for that. And also, you know, look at Eric Spolster, how long he's been in Miami and Michael Malone. You know, the Denver Nuggets were looking to stick with him too thick and thin. And there is something to be said about it. You know, if you go back to when the Pistons won the championship, you know, the Pistons, they had to go through the Boston Celtics, and then they had to get through the Lakers finally. And it was still that core group of players. And I think there is, uh, you know, impatience in, within an organization, certainly within a fan base. Sometimes the salary cap does factor into that today. And that's, you know, if you go back to that Celtic game seven, Jalen Brown was terrible in that game. He still, he should be spending the, most of the summer dribbling because he's not a great, he seems to lose his dribble all the time. But those guys have achieved a lot. And it just, I mean, if you hear the things that Brad Stevens has said, it doesn't sound like they're going to move Jalen Brown. There could be players that are moved around those two guys. But, you know, really, I get it. They haven't won a championship. But Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been in a million playoff games. and They've been to the NBA Finals. They've been in big games. And for the most part, they've had a lot of success. I, I think it's a really good point because I think there is something to be said, A, for continuity. And it's the guy is an all-NBA player. Those guys are not easy to find. And, yes, does he need to be better? And do they need to play a different way? I think Boston looked at it as, all right, we promoted this coach. He didn't have his own coaching staff. He didn't really have a training camp. We want to give him a legitimate chance. And if you look at the guys that they – you knew they were going to do this. They ended up hiring Charles Lee from Milwaukee, who was up for a couple of head coaching jobs. And then Sam Cassell, who was in Boston once upon a time and is highly regarded and had been on Doc Rivers staff for a long time. So I think, you know, that's, I think, the one alteration they're really going to make. is more about the coaching staff. But there could be some other changes. You're hearing stuff about maybe Marcus Smart, maybe Malcolm Brogdon. But I think Tatum and Brown are going to stay, and I think they should. Frank, I'd tell you to stay handsome, but I know that's redundant. <laughs> Appreciate it, brother. Boys, take care. I'll see you guys. Frank Isola, Sirius XM NBA Radio. I want to know what his skincare routine is because Frank has not aged a day in 30 years. Whatever it is, I don't think it can help you, big fella. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I when do. it comes fatty. <laughs> 
It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Who needs more? Who needs each other more between the Giants and Saquon Barkley? Do the Giants need Barkley more than Saquon needs the Giants, or is it the other way around? 888-729-3776. Also, why you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. That's next. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. From Barkley's perspective, he's probably sitting here saying, you saw what I did last year? I was healthy. Looked like my old self. I feel like there's been some things out there that's been misleading. I came out public. I've been open about it. I said I want to be a giant for life. It's all about respect. Is Saquon Barkley more important to the Giants or... Does Saquon Barkley need the Giants more? Did I say that right? I think so. Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio. In for Greeny on the ESPN app presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's hit some calls here on Saquon and who needs who more. Mike in Utica, where I was once stranded back in the 90s. He's up next. Mike, what's up, buddy? You know, I, I got to side with those that say that, that Saquon needs the Giants more. I mean, I know he, he put up some good numbers last year, but couple things working against them right now. Number one, as we know, the, the running back market is not good. I don't think, uh, you know, Minnesota releasing Davin Cook rather than pay him the 10 12 million helps Saquon cause any. But, I mean, I can tell you as a Giants fan, I, I think they're looking at more than just the numbers last year. There was a six, seven-game stretch last year where Saquon really, really did not play well. He really, really wore down down the stretch. He had a, he, he had a chance for a breakaway run against Philadelphia in the playoffs, he got caught from behind. I'm starting to wonder if maybe the Giants front office is looking at Saquon moving forward as more of that uh, that that Reggie Bush type player. I mean, they drafted oh, Eric Gray. So I, I, do I don't think? think Reggie Bush type player, but 
Look, I, I get what he's saying. More, yeah. of a, more of a satellite guy and not a feature guy in terms of a runner. Kind of like how the Cowboys use Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Using Tony Pollard as more of a slasher, gadget guy, receiver out of the backfield, what, swing passes, screens, that kind of thing. What but, did he carry the ball, 290 times last year? He, carried, he touched the ball 352 times. Yeah. So, so that's, I, a lot, that's a lot of touches. Saquon yep. Barkley was fourth in the league in rushing last year behind Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb. So that's a pretty good list to be on. But to that last caller's point, second half of the season, Saquon Barkley, from a production standpoint, fell off a cliff. You're talking about him since week 11, not cracking 90 yards rushing in any game, including the postseason. That is a problem. Like, his health has been a concern. And going back to last year, coming into there, you're talking about a guy that can't stay healthy. He's been in the league five years. He's only been healthy for all games in the regular season twice, including last year. Tim's next. ESPN Radio. Tim, go. Hey, guys. Just wanted to say love your show in the afternoon. Uh, I think the Giants need uh, Saquon. He's, you know, top three, top four running back in the league. And as far as paying Saquon, I think they need to do what the NBA does. If you make all NBA, you know, you get a max contract. So if you make all pro in the NFL, I think, you know, there should be some stipulation where you should get paid like that. Well, there is. Yeah, I mean, he's got the franchise tag on him. But there is also the stipulation that you were talking about a few minutes ago about the bonus structure. Well, yeah, the the player performance bonus pool, where it's based on your current contract and or where you were drafted if you're on your rookie deal, you're talking about you getting compensated based on the number of snaps you play on top of whatever your base pay is. So there's an additional check that you receive after the end of the season based on their player performance base pay pool formula. So that that's that's how it works. And so that mechanism already exists the thing that they would have to do is rope in an addendum saying that we're going to compensate you know, guys for touches and for total touchdowns because we see running backs over-index in those areas, especially through the first four or five years of their NFL career. So I think that would be a way, without changing too much, where you could compensate running backs closer to their true value on their first deal as opposed to those guys trying to get that in their second contract. Corey, next, ESPN Radio. What do you got, Corey? Well, hey, I was just going to say, I think that they both really, both uh, Saquon and the Giants, they really need each other because the Giants, their offense is, you know, it's it's based around Saquon with the run game and with them getting Waller, it should open it up and and the things should should change, but he's still the centerpiece. And to go along with that, they're not, no one else is going to pay Saquon. They just let Cook go, and he's a he's he's just as good as and almost as valuable to the Vikings. And he he's he's looking for a payday. They're not paying they're not paying running backs anymore. And I, I was hearing what you guys were saying about maybe changing the cap somehow. What if um, the running backs instead of them uh, actually being a hundred percent of what their value is, like any other player? Running backs are 50% of, of every other player on the cap. Listen, yeah. if they're not going to tweak the cap formula for quarterbacks, they ain't doing it for running backs. Like I said, I think the player performance-based pay model would be the closest thing that you could get to compensating running backs. But again, that's on their rookie deal. That's not on their second contract. You can't control what the market decides they're going to pay a certain position. And the reason why people don't want to pay running backs – second deals is because of the injury concern. And we've seen production fall off a cliff when those guys get in their sixth, seventh, and eighth season. That's why it's going to be so hard for Saquon Barkley. That's why it's going to be hard for Josh Jacobs. That's why it's going to be hard for any other running back that's looking to get paid 
after they produce. It's just what it is right now. Teams are teams have seen the cautionary tales. You're not going to make them move in that direction to compensate guys with huge second contracts. That's why if you're a running back, the priority should be maximizing what you get on your first five years. The deadline is July 17th. I think this is going to go right up to it. I think it's going to get very close to it. Well, here's, here's what I think should happen. Saquon Barkley has got to realize that the nuclear option ain't really an option at all. No, holding, it's not. Holding out is not an option because you're losing a year in your prime. Yep. Now, I get it. Like, holding out is supposed to be, you know, the player's best leverage. But if you're Saquon, you can't afford to give away a year in your prime. Nope. So nope. you have to make the next best deal. What does that deal look like? Well, think about what the franchise tag would be for the next two years. It would be in the ballpark of $22, $23 million, right? So can you go to the Giants and say, hey, let's do a deal Two years, $25 million, $20 million guaranteed. Let's do that deal. Let's do. Neither one of us likes what the long-term options are, the longer-term options are. I don't like what the three- or four-year base pay is. You don't, you don't want to give me what I want. Saquon doesn't want to play on a one-year deal. So let's do something where the running back gets some financial security, more than the $10 million that's on the table, but the team protects itself against future injury or decline in performance. To me, that's the happy medium that makes sense. That's probably where this plane is going to land in mid-July. It's Greeny coming to you live from the seaport, brought to you by Gray Goose. In just moments, if you get punched by Conor McGregor, is that your fault or his? We'll answer that question. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
Greeny, the podcast. Hey, I wanted to mention something from the other day. Uh, Chris and I, uh, throughout the course of last year, had a lot of fun with the Tuanon folks, right? Mm. Uh, you know, because we always get on Tua and all that. And there was a, an unfortunate, tragic story that Eric Carmona uh, is a young man who started the whole phenomenon of Tuanon, and he was tragically killed recently in a car accident. And there has been a GoFundMe page that is up to raise money for his family. He leaves behind four children. The Dolphins have uh, stepped up and made great contributions. Tua himself put up $10,000. I'm putting up the uh, page as we speak right now, at Chris Carlin on Twitter. Uh, As much as we have fun with it, it's obviously one of those great causes that we want to support that family uh, with everything they're going through. So if you have... Uh, a couple of bucks to help them out. By all means, go and check it out. It's at Chris Garland over on Twitter. Yeah, we also got to shout out one of our own, Kyle Brown, who we lost tragically this weekend in the Super Regional Wake Forest, Alabama game. Um, he had an incident and then he ended up losing his life. Um, and so we want to remember his legacy here at ESPN. Worked for the company for 16 years. He was on a lot of different productions. He was a producer, director, uh, NFL, um, Monday Night Football, uh, and in college baseball, college basketball. Um, So that is a huge loss that we will feel throughout this company for a long time. And we want to keep in our thoughts and prayers, his wife and his four children as well. It's Kenty and Carlin in for Grady on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Kenty, I was thinking about this this morning and – you know, we have 21 mini camps this week. So there are a lot of different stories around the league that we have talked about, but there are some stories going on that I don't think maybe we've paid enough attention to that bear watching. So I put together a list, if you will. Here's Carlin with the top five. Can't you hear the top five underrated stories of the NFL offseason mm. right now? Number five. The Vikings. Canty, they're rebuilding, right? I mean, this is starting to look like that's where it's headed because when you lose the likes of you move on from Eric Kendricks and Adam Thielen and now Dalvin Cook, and we know that Justin Jefferson's not going anywhere, but we also don't know what the future is for Kirk Cousins. I don't know if tanking is the right word, but rebuilding is a word to the point where I don't necessarily believe they are going to believe off of the 13-4 and four season last year that a lot of us felt like was fake, a lot of one-score wins. I think they're headed more in the other direction. Remember, they're in year two of their whole program. So I think the, the Vikings this year are going to be more than comfortable with having a suboptimum season and positioning themselves, not necessarily at the top of the draft, but certainly in the top 10 to 12 picks of the draft because the quarterback class seems like it's pretty strong for this coming year. Well, the Vikings won 13 games last year, and their defense was trash. Like, like the defense was the absolute dregs yeah. of the NFL. Now, that should get better just by virtue of having Brian Flores as your defensive coordinator, even though you've lost a lot of key cogs over the years. But the one area where I'll push back on is that this Vikings offense is as explosive as any in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And they got more explosive this offseason by adding Jordan Addison, the receiver out of USC, in the first round. Keep in mind, they traded for TJ Hawkinson last year. He's going to have a full offseason within that offense. Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver in the league. 
And you're talking about an offensive line that's returning all five starters from a year ago, including Christian Derisaw, who's one of the best young left tackles in the entire game. But what do those players that you just mentioned all have in common? Young. They're going to be here for the long term. So it's it's not a completely blow it out, tank, all that. But it is a bit of a rebuild with some of the pieces already. No, I think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to win games. I think you're talking about a 9-10 win team. Wow. A a, a team that can flirt with being in the postseason. Look at the landscape of the NFC. Who scares you? I mean, outside of Philadelphia, who scares you? Everybody's got warts. Minnesota's happen to be overwhelmingly on the defensive side of the ball. But they can score points. They can match points with anybody in the league. I I don't see. Number four. Uh... The Cowboys do need another running back. I don't care uh, what a lot of people are saying. We talked to Mike Tannenbaum about this earlier. Tony Pollard is too much of an injury concern, can't he? And then Deuce Vaughn, let's just call it what it is. He is a rookie running back that's tiny. Well, what's the first thing that keeps rookie running backs off the field? Pass protection. Um, And it's pass protection for Deuce Vaughn would be a challenge anyway. So is he going to get enough playing time to truly be a good number two option for him? Maybe I'm wrong. Zeke on a reduced deal coming back is not the worst idea for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they need a thumper, a guy that they can hand the ball to that can get the tough yards in between the tackles, somebody that recognizes the value in a three- or four-yard run. That was Ezekiel Elliott, especially in situational football. Short yardage, third downs, red zone, goal line you need a guy that has that physical presence that can be a part or an extension of the offensive line when it comes to the physicality in the run game that was Ezekiel Elliott I don't think that Tony Pollard brings that to the table um, even though there's a lot to like in terms of his potential his upside I like Deuce Vaughn too but I think he's more in that same mold as Pollard more of a slasher gadget guy integral part of the passing game they need a big physical running back Ezekiel Elliott on a reduced rate wouldn't be the worst idea. Now, we did hear from Clarence Hill from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram on Twitter who, after the Minnesota Vikings cut Dalvin Cook, said the Cowboys and Stephen Jones should be on the phone. So we'll see how that evolves, but they do need to add to their running back depth chart if they want to get where they want to go. Okay. Number three. Have the Buffalo Bills missed their championship window here. I know Josh Allen is the quarterback for a long time. They didn't really do anything other than Dalton Kincaid to get a whole lot better in the pass game. Because Gabe Davis, let's just call it what it is, he was disappointing last year. Stephon Diggs was very frustrated at the end of last season. It would help if they added DeAndre Hopkins. I don't trust what the offensive line situation is. It wasn't great last year. Osiris Torrance could come in and be good. He can come in and be really good. He could come in and be good, but we still need to see that. Kenty, in the short term, have they missed this window that's right here? In other words, are they going to be good enough to beat the Chiefs and some of these other AFC teams that are on the come? Yeah, they'll be good enough if the quarterback start giving the ball to the other team. Stop, big stop, if give, right stop, now, stop giving the ball to the other team. It's a big if Josh right now. Josh Allen isn't it? threw 14 picks last year. Yeah. At, at what point is he, if he stops turning the ball over, this is going to be a better team. Now, he talked about needing to play different moving forward. And I think a lot of people focused on the run game aspect of it. But Josh Allen has got to be better protecting the football, especially situationally. He was terrible in terms of throwing picks in the red zone. 
This guy was a turnover machine in the red. I think it was six or seven total turnovers in the red zone. You can't win a lot of games, especially late in December and January, with your quarterback doing that. So if he avoids doing that, then they got plenty on the offensive side and the defensive side to compete at a championship level. Number two. So the Colts start Anthony Richardson week one. You know, you have Gardner Minshew. Anthony Richardson was the guy coming into this draft that most people felt like was going to need a little bit of time. But then you hear all the good things early about how he looks great right away. Are they going to talk themselves into this? I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake to not let him sit back and watch for, I'm not talking about two and three years. I'm talking about the majority of one year. When you had somebody that there were major question marks about with the turnovers and the accuracy, I'm giving him a a chance to get ready. I'm not going to force him in there. And a a coach once said to me, I would rather be a day late getting a guy on the field than a day early when it comes to quarterback. Well, I believe that the way you get better at football is by playing football. And if it's not Anthony Richardson, what's your alternative? Uh, Gardner Minshew for the moment. Is it going to be Gardner Minshew? I mean, Anthony Richardson is the more talented of the two players. Of course. I, I, I get that. You might want to roll with Gardner Minshew as as a guy that can start, you know, quarter of the season, third of the season, and give way to Anthony Richardson. But if he can bring Anthony Richardson along, very similar to what we saw Jalen Hurts in his first full season as a starter, which was 2021, then I don't see a reason why you would keep him off the field. Well, I, okay, I'll push back with the with the Jalen Hurts thing, considering what his history was and how many games he had started versus Anthony Richardson in 13 games. I know what the talent is, but it's 13 games he started in college. I understand that, but the talent is the talent, and the threat that Anthony Richardson poses at with his ability to be able to run the football simplifies the game for him. And that's what we're talking about with young quarterbacks. It's their ability to be able to see the field, understand the coverages and the fronts that they're facing. Well, guess what? When you have a quarterback that can be a threat in a read zone running scheme, then all of a sudden that standardizes the defense. That simplifies things. He's only going to see certain fronts and certain coverages. As a play caller on the defensive side, there are certain things that are off the table because the quarterback is a runner. To me, that lends itself to being able to play Anthony Richardson sooner rather than later. Number one. Could the Rams by midseason talk to Aaron Donald about trading him away? Listen, there's always been talk the last couple of years about whether or not Aaron Donald was going to retire. But would he want one more shot at a championship? Because it's likely not going to come with the Rams this year. Think about what he would be worth around the trade deadline. Think about what Von Miller did for the Rams a few years back when they traded for him. I think it's interesting to watch because when we talk about the Rams trading away all their picks, they could recoup some really some good assets if they think about moving Aaron Donald by midseason if the Rams aren't any good. This is a guy that's flirted with retirement already. I don't know that he has the appetite to up and leave L.A. and go somewhere else for a half a year or for, you know, a couple of seasons and chase after rings. He's already got a ring. His legacy is secure. He's made a ton of money, and he's got a lot of off-the-field interests that generate revenue. I just don't know that that's, that's where Aaron Donald is at with it. It's a great idea, and I think if he's open to it, then that's absolutely the decision that the Rams should make. I just don't know if the player is willing to, 
to go out there and, and let the organization shop him around and go somewhere else. All right. So what just happened is Canty took a shotgun to every one of my underrated storylines. <laughs> did I take a shotgun to it? I don't know that I did. No, we just disagreed on it. Yeah. On, on one of the, on well, that's, some a, of the good, that's that a good topic, right? When we're on opposite so. sides of it. Yeah. Let me tell you something. So the last few days have been very challenging in our household. And I think I learned a lot about myself here. So last week I told you my wife was having an allergic reaction to something on her face, one of the, a beauty product or something like that. Mm-hmm. We get to Thursday, and it's, it's getting worse. And Thursday after the show, I go home, and it has really blown up uh, on her. And it's just it's scary in that moment. My wife is always, when it comes to skin uh, things, as far as like an allergic reaction or something, her skin just absolutely destroys her just can can absolutely blow up even from a mosquito bite gets you know bigger than a normal mosquito bite Mm -hmm. so i get home i look at her i take her temperature she's got a 104 degree fever oh we got to go to office yeah and my brother is an an er doc who has a telemedicine business and i call him up and he's like yeah go and so we're rushing to the hospital we get there and you know i park she gets settled they get her in right away they couldn't have been better. We were there for six hours. They're giving her antibiotics. She's taking all kinds of tests, all the blood tests, all this stuff. It is, it, it is not for the faint of heart in this moment. It, it wasn't life-threatening, but because this is a face thing and cellulitis, you can't screw around with it. So I'm thinking the worst inside. Like, I got to, you know, Canty, I don't want to toot my own horn. As much as my wife was a complete trooper through this whole thing mm-hmm. over the last few days, mm-hmm. let me tell you something. I was a champ. <laughs> I was a champ in this thing. It, it, I was Mr. Calm across the board. What do you need? Let me get this. Take so you care were great in crisis management? Oh, my goodness. I, I never thought that I would be someone who would not panic when things were going wrong. So you're like the Ray Donovan version in, in, in the Carlin household. You're like the Ray Donovan. Well, I, I'm not the guy who comes up and clean, cleans everything up. You're, the, you're, you're kind of the fixer. You're the fixer. You're a version of the fixer. I'm not the wolf. You're you not know? the wolf. <laughs> but I got us in and out of there. It's going smoothly. I'm trying to calm her down. I don't like to really, uh, you know, Pat myself on the back. Okay. But I think you would have been proud. And you know who I thought of right away? You know who would have been proud of me? Who's that? Bubba. Bubba. I don't know if Bubba. Bubba, let me tell you something. When I think about you as one of the more critical people in my life, I think you would have have given me a standing ovation. Well, we're all very proud of you that uh, you made this all about yourself. Your, uh, <laughs> your, your wife's uh, you know, emergency visit, 30 seconds, that has now become all about you and how you handled it. So we're, we're proud of that. Listen, I said that she was a bigger <laughs> champ than me in the entire thing. I'm not sure you actually said those words. Well, I, I mean, close to it. And it's certainly the sentiment was behind it. But I was a champ. He's never going to give you credit. He's no. never going to give you any no. credit. You just need to accept that moving forward. No, and that's that's unfortunate. Like, if I got a little bracelet that said WWBS, what would Bubba say? Should Miami accept that they're just going to lose the NBA Finals? <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN, and also available wherever you get your podcasts.